Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. We've been doing a mini-teaching series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we felt like it was, it was a really important topic to take some time and, and really address. I feel like sometimes... I don't know. I don't know. If this is me, but I feel like we can we can come up against things in like our walks with God and, and our relationships with Him, where you know we might have a lot of questions about something, but you know sometimes we just kind of leap over the questions and kind of keep going with things instead of like stopping, parking, and like let me ask myself how many like asking yourselves like really tough questions. We genuinely, except for that person over there, don't like to do that, all right? We don't like to ask ourselves, like, hard questions and, like, really dig deep sometimes, you know? It's much easier just to go home and sit down and just binge on Netflix, right? And so so for us, you know, I think it was really important for us to say, like, look, this is a, this is a topic, this is an area that we really need to grow in. Uh, and even challenge ourselves in our understanding of the Holy Spirit, um, the role of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit looks like in, in our life, how, the role of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we opened up talking about his role in the Old Testament and what that looked like when he came upon certain individuals and and how in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit's role was specifically to come upon certain individuals, whether it was leaders um, or judges. It, it was for a specific cause, and usually uh, it was for people who were going to influence the the nation. It was very very much a specific individualistic thing. It wasn't for everyone, but only certain people. And, and then we talked about the Spirit and His role in salvation, and how. When we're when we receive the Spirit at salvation, how that's like the regeneration, like Second Corinthians five seventeen, like uh, who who he that be in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Like the regeneration, when when you were in sin, you were in darkness, but the moment that you said yes to Jesus, you repented of that sin. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, and at that moment darkness was turned into light you were made new you were a new creation and so the the indwelling of the the spirit of god at salvation and so then we talked about the baptism in the holy spirit and how now that empowerment kind of similar to when the holy spirit came upon people in the old testament and empowered them um, to do things that were supernatural uh, you think about Samson beating the tar out of a hundred pe- uh, thousand people with a, with a donkey's jawbone like supernatural strength and then you see the gifts of the spirit where a person could lay their hands on an individual and see them be healed and recovered supernatural uh, moves of God but now it's it's for everyone it's for anyone that, that repents to turn to the Lord and, and receives salvation and has the Spirit dwelling and then seeks that, that baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how it's a daily uh, relational encounter with God, that it's not this like one-time experience, but it really is relational. And as you continue to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, He will use you in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and we talked about the gifts as well. Uh, we talked about the value of, a, of the gifts of the Spirit last week. And, and tongues and, and prophecy were the two that we talked about in, in 1 Corinthians 14. And so tonight we're going to continue uh, in that portion of text. Excuse me. And so let's dive in. Uh, what I want to kind of do is just sort of take it, uh, we'll just kind of take it verse by verse as we're going through it together. Um, 
we'll we'll just kind of stop and park and we'll talk about uh, different things and and I'm hoping that it brings clarity at the end um, like we've been doing we'll have a time of question and answer and I'll do my best to answer any questions that you you guys have um, to the best of my ability so why don't why don't we pray and just uh, just give this entire evening to the Lord Father we thank you that we can come together as the body of Christ we thank you Lord that you allow us to, to walk and to be in community with one another. Um, Father, that we can gather together, we can learn from your word. Holy Spirit, just have your way tonight. Every word that's spoken, um, every verse that's gone through tonight, uh, I pray that it would just point back to you. I pray that it would just help us to grow in our understanding of, of who you are. And, and ultimately, that it would lead us to a place where as we worship you together, uh, we would reflect the character of God. Um, and so, God, we thank you for this night. We thank you that you've got awesome things in store and that every person that's here is here for a reason. So, Holy Spirit, I pray you just minister to people in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we start at verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That's uh, starting at verse 26. I don't have it up on the board. I'm sorry. Uh, it's a little lazy this week. But it says, uh, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. All right. So, so Paul has, has taken some time to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. He, we talked about tongues and prophecy and, and public worship last week. So now he's kind of summarizing what, what has been said in verse 26. He says, when you meet together, one will sing, another one will teach, Another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. So here we have Paul kind of explaining that if, if, there, is, if there is a gift, right? So he goes through and he mentions just a few gifts of the Spirit or, or, or a What's happening in a public worship service? Is somebody somebody's worshiping or giving you know uh, giving a song, or if there's a teaching or a prophecy, or someone gives a tongue and an interpretation of the tongue? He says everything must be done to strengthen everybody who's there. I had made mention of this last week during our Q and A, but when I was in college, we had an instance where. Uh, you know, every, I was at a Bible college, so they would do chapels, and so we would have chapel services pretty much every day. And um, so during one of the chapel services, uh, an individual just started give, uh, giving a tongue. And uh, and you know, this is where like the gifts of the Spirit come in because as soon as the as soon as I I heard the person giving the tongue, like you ever feel like super uneasy? I don't know if that's just, but like to me, like there's there's those moments where you know. I just feel like that discernment from the spirit where it's like, mm, I, don't, I don't know how I'm feeling about that one right now. Like, I just feel uneasy about this. And uh, so sure enough, he, he gives his, his message in tongues. And then, and then all of a sudden, somebody interprets um, and starts talking about like false prophets being, there's false prophets among you. And, and like just going off on this crazy like tangent. And it was really great. It was actually cool to see because our president kind of stepped up and and you know in the middle of everything and he said excuse me uh, you know could you please could you please stop 
um, what, what you're saying is, is out of order. And he handled it with like such gentleness. He says, what you're saying is out of order. Um, you know, according to scripture, when there's a tongue and interpretation, it's got to edify. And he used this scripture verse. It's got to strengthen everyone who's hearing it. So he said, he said to the person, I don't know what you're going through personally in your life. And the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you about maybe some bad influences that you've allowed in your life. Uh, but that is not a message that is for everyone here because it's not edifying. Uh, and so that's like a, a, a good general rule of thumb, that if there's a message that's going to be given, for example, let's just say you feel like God's put something on your heart to, to share, and you're like, oh, I really got to share. Like The first thing that you should, you should ask yourself is, is what I have in my heart like edifying? Is it going to strengthen everybody who's in this room? Because um, if it doesn't pass that test, then you can confidently sit back and go, okay, maybe this is something for me. Maybe I need to like look uh, inwardly and just kind of ask the Lord, okay, what are you doing you know, in my life? Is this something that I need to really seek you about or look into for myself? Um, or, you know, because I think that's oftentimes the case. If there's something that's maybe specific, a conviction that the Holy Spirit really gives to you, uh, of something that needs to take, pla- uh, take place in your life. But staying focused on, on the word should lift up everybody um, in, in, in the church body. I, anybody, everybody, I don't know if you've ever encountered this. But th- those people that like work in like words of knowledge and prophecy, I'm just going to share a story because I feel like you guys might identify. But growing up, there was an individual in our church, like the Lord used him in words of knowledge. It was basically... He, he would know things that only the people, like, I remember him sharing. He'd never met this guy because I was really close with the, with the individual. Um, and I knew that they, he didn't know them, but he was telling things about where they worked and what they did and, like, all, all this stuff. And it was like, oh, my gosh, like, how would you know? How and so I'd always get, like, kind of nervous, you know, if I did something I shouldn't that week. And I come into church, and I'm like, oh, man, is he going to know? Is God going to tell? You know what I mean? Like, you kind of get a little, like, tripped up on it. But you recognize, like, God's never going to interrupt a service to be like, hey, God is speaking through me prophetically to let everybody know that that guy did something really bad this week. You know what I mean? Like, that is not, that is not God, right? Like, everything that is done edifies the person and the body that, that hears. And so that's a, a really important um, I think stipulation that we have to keep in mind. Verse 27 says this, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must keep, uh, must speak rather one at a time and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. So no more than, than two or three uh, speak in tongues. You can tell that Paul uh, definitely does not prefer uh, tongues in, in public worship, unless obviously there's a person to interpret. Um, we gave some background last week. Briefly, a lot of tongues uh, being given at this church in Corinth, not a lot of interpretation, a lot of tongues happening all at the same time, causing a lot of confusion. So Paul took time to say, I'd rather speak five, like, knowledgeable, like, words that, that people would understand than thousands of, of words in, in tongues. And 
again, the value of prophecy over tongues in the context of the public worship, well, he considered it greater because if we're all coming in together, we can understand, you know, the words of a prophet. And that's why he said, and, and actually, if you go back to, I do believe, uh, chapter um, chapter 14, and you look at, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to dive in and try to find it, but there's a verse that he says, um, prophecy is greater, in uh, greater than tongues unless there's an interpretation. So it's about, it's about understanding. That's what brings the value there. That's, in public worship, it's about us growing and learning and understanding. So that's why it's so valuable. So he says, you know, no more than two or three uh, to speak in tongues. Speak one at a time. So obviously that's implying <laughs> they were all speaking at the same time. Uh, at either one instance or probably many. And then he says someone must interpret. Uh, this is a requirement. Without, without an interpretation, a tongue in a public worship setting should be non-existent. Um, so I thought it was really interesting that it, if there's an individual, if you know, because think about it, this, these are probably small communities of churches uh, gathering together. Everybody probably knew each other and, and at this rate, um, familiar with the, the different gifts that, that people had. So they would know, you know, hey, if, you know, Joe Schmo isn't here, or, sorry, Joe, or, uh, or, you know, yada, yada, that we can't speak out in the tongue because they're the ones that have the gift of interpretation. So he's literally saying, if, if you know who has the gift of interpretation and they're not there, don't even if you feel like you have a tongue to share don't share it because it needs to be interpreted people need to understand it's all about understanding verse 29 says let two or three people prophesy much different uh phrasing there no more than two or three in regards to speaking in tongues and then let two or three it's a little bit more reserved you can you can see kind of where paul's disposition is uh, in regards to these gifts within the context of public worship. So he says, let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. You can see that theme just kind of like continuing. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Let two or three prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. Interesting, that whole aspect of evaluation. Um, I think that's something that within the, the context of a larger church, you know, for example, use ours on a Sunday morning when you have, a, you know, hundreds of people together. Uh, it's not as doable. I, I, I don't know. This is just me. I'm being honest, right? It's, it's very difficult to have a, a period of evaluation where, where the group as a whole gets to kind of weigh in on what was just spoken. Ideally, what you're looking at is a community of believers. You know, I'm not going to get specific. I, you know, I would, I'm going to say under 100, I'm guessing. 
um, for, for most of these contexts, for the churches that were meeting in homes, they were smaller groups when they met together in the synagogue. It, you know, I, I'm imagining it's, a, it's a, a smaller group of individuals. But you have this atmosphere where somebody's sharing, and, and the moment that they share, the moment that they give a word of, of prophecy, that people now have the opportunity to weigh in on that. You know, and so, so obviously you, you would have certain types of people, certain people with certain gifts, you know, other prophets, other people with the prophetic gifting that would probably weigh in on that. You would have people with the gift of discernment. You remember I was mentioning sort of that like, that weird like, uh, I felt uneasy when that, when that tongue, that's discernment. You'd be able to discern whether something's from the Lord or not. Um, and there have been plenty of instances where somebody will speak a word and in my spirit, I just know, sorry, like that is just not jiving here right now. Um, and that's discernment, discerning between, between spirits. And you can tell what's of God and what's not. So those people would definitely qualify. Teachers, people that are grounded right in, in the word. These, these are your obvious like, oh yeah, these guys would be weighing in if someone gives a prophecy. Um, you know, I think, about, I think about it this way. If, if an individual, you know, um, gives maybe, you know, God's, God's showing me like a, an image of, of even just like, you know, this or that, that those types of people can bring clarity, sort of weigh in on what, is, what was said, um, kind of this interactive community in, in involvement in moving through the gifts of the Spirit. And it's a really cool thing, like when you start thinking about a safe place where people can, can interact and grow in their gifts uh, and develop and, uh, you know, I feel like it's, it's such a cool, you know, to me as I was studying, I'm like, this is great. This is like such a cool, <laughs> it sounds stupid saying, this is a cool concept of church. But that's what church was, like, you know what I mean? So, and, and I feel like we kind of have uh, gotten away from, from maybe some of, of that uh, element within, within the body of Christ. Actually, uh, the, one of the pastors here, Pastor Matt, went to a uh, church in, in Texas not too long ago. And they're a larger church. I think they're a couple thousand at least. And the way that they do it, um, their spirit-filled church, the way that they do it is they have elders in every section of their, uh, their church. And what they do is they encourage people that if they have something that they feel the Lord is impressing on them to share... Uh, that they speak with one of the elders, uh, that well, the elder in their section. And then that elder, if he feels like that needs to be shared, will go and speak with, they have a, basically a, like a small a committee of people that will talk with the elders, and, and, and if they confirm it, they'll actually send a message like via, like a, a, like a television, like the, you know, the tech people will send a message to the pastor on screen that someone has a word to share, and and the pastor will allow that person to come and, and share. And I thought that was great, like great intentionality, like in, to, to be able to say, look, we're going to continue, no matter how large we grow, we're going to continue to stay sensitive to the Spirit moving and allow people to engage um, in, in communicating what God's putting in their hearts. So I thought that that was really cool. Um, you see uh, in Scripture the, the idea of weighing um, things. In a couple of verses, we'll talk about it in a bit. 
in, in verse 37, Paul invites anybody who thinks that they're, they're prophets or are gifted by the Spirit to weigh the authority of his own teaching. In Acts 17, the Bereans, Paul comes in, shares with them, and, and they like go to town studying and, and weighing out what Paul brought to them and what brought, Paul spoke to them. Uh, and then in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, you see that the church is encouraged to, to test prophecies. Uh, and so although there might be a group that may seem like, oh, you know, those are the go-to people that are going to weigh it out, it, it seems as if it was an, it was a, an entire church body uh, activity where everybody would get to kind of weigh in and, 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 and see and ask questions and, and, and to see, you know, what, whether the message was from the Lord or to, to understand in a greater capacity. Um, verse 30, and I'm going to briefly just kind of breeze through uh, these couple of verses. Verse 30, if someone's prophesying, he's kind of instructing now in regards to prophecy and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. Again, we talked about this last week. The prophets there, some of them were like totally taking over and they would just like go on and on and on and on because they wanted their voice to be heard. They wanted like what they had to say to be like the thing, you know? And the way that it worked was if if I was prophesying, the, and the church would be seated, but the person who was speaking would be standing. So, you know, if Chris was like, okay, I, I feel like I have something to share uh, from the Lord, what he would do is while I'm speaking, he would stand up. And that would let everybody know, hey, Chris has something that he needs to, to share, like from the Lord. But that would let me know, hey, shut your yap, sit down, like God just spoke to him, uh, and now you're done. You know what I mean? So, so the person should then take that instruction to say, okay, cool. Over to you, Chris. And, uh, and so, so that was a really cool interaction. But what was happening was people were standing up to speak, but the prophets would keep on going. And, and they would monopolize the meeting. They would just make it about themselves. Uh, and you could see their motive for, for uh, their prophecy wasn't for the bettering of the people around them. It was about lifting themselves up. Uh, and so when you get into that sort of heart, that sort of disposition, it, that's going to lead down to a, basically a proud road. And, and Paul kind of concludes, and we'll end off that in a bit, but he kind of speaks to the issue of pride uh, at the end of this passage. So verse 31 says, In this way all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. This entire theme, it's all about learning and being encouraged. It's about growth as, as a community of believers. Every gift in, the public, in, in public worship in that form is to grow us in our faith. That is always the main focus. What's really cool is you see how people have different styles of learning, right? You know, you have your, uh, what is it, kine kinesthetic learners that they, they need to do to be able to learn, you have your linguistic learners that have to like speak it or write it out, and that really helps them. Auditory, they hear it, visual, like they see it, and they they can grasp it. and uh, And how cool is it that God has given us different gifts that we can share and use? That you know, for example, yeah, I was speaking about uh, David, uh, who you know, God kind of gives him some some visuals often, um, and 
how a visual might speak and resonate with a person better than just a just a spoken word or maybe for some people the word being spoken resonates more than than a visual like image does but we're all different we all we all learn things in a different way and and, and this is really painting a picture of a community a church community that uh, allows and gives room for everybody to be used by God and, and to to really speak to one another and to encourage one another and this is something that I definitely want to grow in I mean there there may be nights where you know we'll I'll, I'll still give a message because here I'll, I'll just say this I'll read verse 32 and we'll get to it uh, verse 32 says this remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns so Paul's making it clear that you know you don't lose your faculties when the spirit like moves it's not like spirit gives you something and it's like all right you're gone now it's just the spirit and he's on you and it's ah you know no you have and so this is where I'm where I'm kind of going I'll still give a message right just like pastor Gary when pastor Gary's giving a message on a Sunday morning the Holy Spirit is speaking prophetically through pastor Gary and so when there's a tongue there have been times when a tongue will interrupt him right in the middle of his sermon. That's out of order. Think about it. If, if the Holy Spirit is speaking prophetically through his word, through Pastor Gary, and then somebody interrupts with a tongue, why would God interrupt himself? You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and this, this portion of scripture, this verse is saying, look, you, that tongue might be completely pertaining to the body and an interpret uh, as well as as long as interpre- interpretation comes along with it but the t- timing matters timing matters because what is he talking about peace and order right the spirit people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns for god is not a god of disorder but a God of peace. He's saying, why should everything be done in order? Because God is a God of order. God is a God of peace. Therefore, your worship must reflect the character and attributes of God. So that if you're going to worship together, it needs to reflect the character of God, the character of peace, the character of order. And so, you know, when somebody has a message to share, they need to wait on it. They need to wait for the moment, okay, now is a good time, whether Pastor Gary's message has come to a conclusion, and there's, a, there's usually there's always that opportunity, at least that I've found. There's that moment where there's like a little bit longer of a pause than usual, and then boom, somebody will, will speak a tongue, and then there's an interpretation, or maybe somebody just gives a, a straight prophetic word, but you have that, you have that opportunity that does not disrupt what God is already doing it's all you know and and taking turns and one at a time you see it all throughout this passage so it's very important God is a God of peace he's a God of order he does everything in order look at creation look at all of creation how perfectly in order everything is I you know Stephen Hawking um I saw an article not too long ago that he said by uh, by 2600 uh, the earth will have exhausted all of its resources and mankind will need to relocate to another earth if they don't want to become extinct. And so I then 
I don't know, I, I read things that I probably waste time on. But I then went on reading about how they've been looking at different earths and, and different possibilities. And, uh, and, you know, they found this one earth-like planet that could uh, possibly support uh, human life, but it's like 20 light years away, and we would need to learn how to travel by laser in order to get there in time, like all this crazy stuff, right? And, and it made me realize, and, and, and they actually just recently found out that, you know, wind conditions wouldn't really, we would have to live underground if we wanted to make it there. Um, but anyway, the point being, God made everything perfectly, right? If, if the earth was any further away from the sun, right, you've heard it, we'd freeze any closer, we'd burn, like everything, it, I've even heard that, that, uh, now, I don't know if this is true. I, there's some science guy came to my church one time. So I'm just banking on this dude. So don't take my word for it. But uh, this guy came in and said that Jupiter runs in the same uh, like orbit, like rotation as Earth does. And so that it's actually been a shield for Earth from asteroids for forever. Um, and so that's why a reason a lot of, uh, we don't, like asteroids aren't hitting us all the time is because you've got Jupiter in the same uh, orbital rotation as the earth and it's kind of shielding us like at all times from anything coming this way so anyway just like those little or big details that just prove that God is perfect God does everything perfect and everything in order so worship as we gather together it should reflect that it should reflect peace and order verse 34 Women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. Let's, let's close in prayer. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to stop there. Obviously, we gotta, we got to talk about this, right? I was like, hmm, should we just stop at verse 33? Of course not. Has anybody read this scripture before and was like, what? Anyway, okay, a couple people. Um, this is, you know, this is a, I think this is a, a scripture that can give people a little bit of a, a hiccup. Well, and all the guys, yeah, all my life, all my life, it's always been a joke verse. You know, the guys go too far with it, you know. Women should be silent in the church, you know. I, I see a couple people going too far with it right now we won't say any names on the podcast Dave and Joe but we're looking at (laughs) Joe's just laughing along so I included him we got to remember Paul's building on a concept here right what is the concept the concept is order order and peace within the meeting right order and peace reflecting their worship should reflect the character and attributes of God So Paul's already mentioned two other contexts, which we kind of ignore at times when we read this passage of Scripture, this verse. But he's already talked about two different contexts where he's telling people, be quiet. The first was the person who gives a tongue and there's no interpreter. He says, be quiet. Don't speak. The other was a prophet who's been speaking and somebody stands up to say, hey, I I have a word to share. And they just keep on going. He's saying, hey, you, be quiet. All right, be silent. So again, what's the theme? It's order. It's about peace. It's about our worship reflecting the character of God. So now he's addressing women that are speaking out 
in church meetings. So obviously our big question is like, Paul, what gives? Like, why are you hating on the ladies? But this is a letter, right? This is a, this is a letter that he wrote that was supposed to be read from beginning to end in one sitting. And what we do is because somebody later on put in chapters and verses is, you know, in our devotions we'll read, you know, chapter one and two and I don't know, we'll kind of fold it up, you know, put the Bible away. We'll go to sleep or we'll start our day whenever you read your Bible, I don't know. But then we'll pick it up later and we'll read a couple more chapters or maybe a couple more verses and fold them. And then we eventually get to this and we're like, wow, why would you say that? Because a couple paragraphs before this, you know, maybe not a couple paragraphs, quite a few paragraphs before, but only a couple chapters, right? In verse, uh, in verse five and six of chapter 11, Paul's speaking to women and he says, hey, when you pray and prophesy in church meetings, and he goes off about how they need to have their head covered. And I'm not gonna go into head coverings and all that stuff, but my point is, He's speaking about them participating in the church meeting. So why would Paul, just a a couple paragraphs before this, be giving instructions on how women are to participate, specifically in aspects that involve speech, praying and prophesying during the church service if he didn't want them to speak? So clearly... There's a specific situation at hand, and I think obviously the text is pretty clear on it. In verse 25, where it says, If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands. So, this is specifically addressing married women. This is not addressing all women, this is specifically addressing married women. So, we're talking about a married woman in the public worship gathering. So, why? can't a married woman speak and maybe necessarily we can eliminate it's not necessarily to pray or to prophesy right because a woman can pray and prophesy there must be something that Paul's addressing here do you know what we oftentimes do we forget that the Corinthians wrote a letter to Paul asking a bunch of questions to him about what was going on in their church we forget about that sometimes and Paul responds many times throughout, well, in regards to your question about this, blah, 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 and he'll go on. Uh, you, you know, you had asked about this. Now concerning this, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he's responding to questions that they had. So I'm, I'm very confident, I'm very confident that this was simply one of the things that they had addressed. We have some, some ladies here that are speaking out, some of our our women, our married women, are speaking out, and uh, and we need we need some some clarifications. I'm going to give some reasons in a second, but I'm just kind of painting a picture here. So he's he's saying, okay, let me address it. Then he's responding to a question that's already been asked. When somebody asks you a question, do you take the time to recite the entire question back to them? and include all of the information that they asked in the question? No, you usually just give an answer to the question, and that oftentimes leaves out some of the details of the question itself, but it still gives an answer. That's probably what happened here, is that they say, hey, we've got some married ladies. It's causing some disruption in the church service. 
we would, we would really love some insight on what you think we should, we should do. Or maybe they gave some suggestions and, and they're waiting to hear back from him. And he just says, hey, women should be silent in the church. You know, if they have good questions, ask their husbands. Like he doesn't include all that information, but he did say husbands, thank God. So that gives us some clarity that it's about married women. So let's talk a little bit about what people, we'll give, I'll give several and then I'll kind of let you know where I, I kind of, I feel like probably more accurate. Uh, so one of the first scenarios uh, a lot of scholars think, well, one, I do believe we're talking about the weighing process of prophecies. I think that that's what's coming into question here. Obviously, there's nothing against um, women participating, you know, whether it be in spoke, a spoken word of prayer or, or, or prophecy. Um, that, that's been clearly defined as acceptable um, according to Paul, just sentences, paragraphs earlier. So as he's coming just off of the, you know, couple sentences ago talking about weighing prophecies and all of that nature, that most likely contextually that's what we're talking about. We're talking about people weighing in on these prophecies. And so married women were weighing in on, on, on prophecies that were given. Some scholars believe one of, the, one of the opinions is their husbands would get up and prophesy and, uh, and while afterwards in the weighing process, uh, the ladies were like, hey, what about at home the other day? You're so good, you can prophesy, but the other day you said this to me, like, and started airing out some dirty laundry, all right? So the idea was, you know, because at times if a, if a person was new uh, and they've never given a prophetic word, it wasn't uncommon for people to kind of question, you know, background like lifestyle background like where you know family where they came from personal questions to get a feel for the individual themselves so there's a belief that <laughs> wives could have been kind of pulling in some personal issues uh right after a prophecy thus discrediting sort of the the word that was given and you could see how uncomfortable that would be in the middle of, uh, of a church service another belief would be that some of the married women were responding to uh Christian prophecy, thinking of it similarly to like Hellenistic prophecy. So like Greek, like in the Greek culture, the way that they saw prophecy was you ask a question to an oracle, that's what they called their like prof, uh, prophets, like oracles. You'd ask a question to them and then the gods would speak through them to you. So like you could go, what does my future look like? And then the gods would speak through the oracle and tell you about your future. And uh, so some people believe they were coming in, they were asking questions like right off the bat, like, is my baby going to be a boy or a girl? Like, you know, just kind of like these questions that they, they want to get uh, just like a prophetic response to. And, and it's like, hey, like, hold on, that's not, that's not how this works. The Holy Spirit is the one that's directing what the prophets are saying. So that's a belief as well. Uh, some, some proposed married woman we're just just asking disruptive questions uh, instead of you know say there's a prophetic word that you know god god is going to 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 bless you know the people in this room like for those that are facing hardship you'll get through it you know something like that and then they start asking like well how do you know that like how did you get that word could you explain how you received they were they were asking questions you know maybe pertaining to how prophecy worked or but it was detracting from the actual message uh, what i believe is probably the the closest 
uh, most I think the most accurate I think it makes the most sense is just culture the Greco-Roman culture like at that time um, in first century for in that weighing process and this is what I believe what was happening is that women were were speaking and asking questions to other women's husbands who were who were prophesying well why is that a bad thing? during that time first century if a it was considered like scandalous for a woman to to have conversation with another like with another woman's husband uh, it'd be the equivalent to you know adultery it really would be it'd be looked at in, in, in the same in the same manner and that's supported by just you go through you can go through a lot of like first century writings and that line of thought is in a lot of different um, writings. I was reading through a couple of different examples uh, of it the other day. But that cultural context, so kind of fit this now into this letter that the Corinthians write. And they're saying, hey, Paul, we have a lot of our married women here that when we're weighing out prophecies or beginning to like interact and converse with other women's husbands and uh it's getting really uncomfortable and we really feel like it's it's inappropriate the other wives feel like it's inappropriate and uh, and we really need like you to kind of help us out here and and make sure that we're like all moving forward together on the same page and then you see a response from Paul that says hey like women should be silent during the church meetings it's not proper for them to speak they should be submissive, just as the law says, and if they have any questions, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. And I feel like, you know, for me, that that really kind of meshes it all together, um, and I think bring, brings, I think, the appropriate closure that's needed. And I'm not saying that some of those other um, aspects um, aren't true or could be true, uh, but... I feel like that one makes the most sense. So what does that mean for us today? Obviously, it, it was a cultural thing. Um, so today, that's not an issue. Like, there's no, it's not scandalous to, to, to have a conversation, for a woman to have a conversation with another woman's husband. Like, and we don't view it in that manner. Um, so in this different cultural context, you know, that's not going to be a distraction in worship. Right, and so that's kind of where I stand. We'll open up for Q and A's, and we'll kind of talk about it in, in just a couple of seconds. So let's just finish up. We'll read the last couple of verses. Uh, verse thirty-six says, uh, "Do you think God's word originated with you, Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you're spiritual, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord Himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized." Simply, Paul's just saying, don't be cocky. Like, don't view yourself as, as, as someone special. Um, pride obviously has led to a lot of strife among your church, so don't be proud. Um, and I think that's a warning, I think, for all of us to, to avoid pride when it comes to just walking in the gifts of the Spirit. And, and even as a church, as we operate in the gifts together, to not make it about us right when you're when you're in the corporate like church public worship context like the gifts are are for 
the edification of the body of Christ. So he says, look, weigh out what I'm saying. Just like I said before, he, he now invites them. Weigh out what I'm saying. If you think you're, if you think you, you're a prophet or that you're spiritual, I guarantee you, weigh out what I'm saying to you. You know that it's from the Lord. And if, if you say that what I'm saying is not true, then he's saying, then you're not right with God. That's a pretty bold statement, but why can he say that? Because if, if the individual has made the gifts of the Spirit, because even a spiritual thing we can make about ourselves and to make our name great instead of his name great. And when, if we get to that point, we've lost sight of love for the Lord and love for the people around us. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.